Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado. We'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. Each week, Ministry Watch brings you news about Christian ministries, as well as the latest in charity and philanthropy, news that we examine from a Christian worldview perspective. Our goal is to help us become better stewards of the resources God has entrusted to us. On today's program, the massive ministry gospel for Asia is attempting to rebrand itself, but is the ministry, which has been embroiled in scandal, really changing its ways? And Liberty University files a $10 million lawsuit against its former president, Jerry Falwell Jr. We begin today with the story of a Washington, D.C. pastor who is charged with misusing $1.5 million in COVID relief funds. Yeah, this D.C. pastor could face up to 20 years in prison for wire fraud after allegedly using government coronavirus relief money for personal expenses, including the purchase of a $60,000 Tesla. Uh, Law enforcement arrested Rudolph Brooks Jr. of Cheltenham, Maryland, a D.C. suburb, and the pastor of Kingdom Tabernacle of Restoration. They made the arrest on April 2nd and seized more than $2.2 million from 11 bank accounts after records showed that he had misused federal payroll protection program loan funds. A criminal complaint filed by the U.S. Attorney's Office in the District of Maryland said that Brooks applied for the PPP loans, totaling more than a million and a half dollars on behalf of an organization called Cars Direct, which is an automobile resale company that he owns. Then he diverted the money for personal expenditures, including numerous luxury vehicles, property in Baltimore, credit card bills, purchases at restaurants, retail and grocery stores, and uh, mortgage payments for his own personal residence. So a pastor was arrested, but it wasn't his church, but rather his other businesses that took the funds. Yeah, that's right. The story highlights, uh, Natasha, a real problem in the ministry world that we haven't really talked about very much. And that is the fact that a lot of pastors have side businesses that take advantage of the church in some way, and sometimes it makes them rich. How does that work? Well, it can work in a variety of ways. The pastor might be the owner of a funeral home, for example. That's the case uh, in one situation here in Charlotte where a guy was recently convicted of fraud and sent to jail. And guess what? All the funerals at his church ended up using the pastor's funeral home for services. The church essentially becomes the marketing arm for the funeral home. In the case that we're talking about here, it appears that Pastor Brooks was really in the car business but he took no salary from that business. Now, it's not clear exactly where his salary came from, but it's common in such circumstances for most of the salary to come from the church and not the business, because you can protect a significant portion of a pastor's salary from taxation through the use of a housing allowance. Uh, That's one reason that Ministry Watch has been advocating for reform of nonprofit laws. We don't think we need more regulation. In fact, I think in some ways it would be good if we had less regulation. But there hasn't been significant revisions to nonprofit tax law since the 1960s, and Uh, Situations like this point out that we're long overdue in making changes for the Internet age. Well, Warren, we don't often cover uh, strictly local stories, but you've got one coming out of Orlando, Florida, that is both interesting and has lessons for the entire ministry world. 
Yeah, that's right. The headline of the story is this. Uh, Tampa's biggest Christian radio station called the Joy FM recently bought a station in the Orlando area. Um, That put it in competition with Orlando's biggest Christian radio station, WPOZ, which is best known locally as The Z. Uh, The Z wasn't going to take this incursion into its territory, though, without a fight, so it planted a false story with a Christian radio industry publication saying that it was going to rebrand itself as Joy 88.3, which would put it, of course, in direct competition with the Joy FM's branding. Ministry Watch obtained an internal email from Jim Hogue, who is the president of the Z, which clearly demonstrates that the story he planted in the industry publication was false, and it was an intentional effort to try and persuade the Joy FM not to come into his market with a competing station. Wow, it sounds like quite a knife fight. <laughs> but and, and it is interesting, but why are you interested in reporting on this story? Yeah, well, for several reasons. First, Orlando is one of the key cities in the country for large national Christian ministries, along with Colorado Springs, where you are, and Charlotte, where I am. Orlando has one of the biggest concentration of Christian ministries in the country. Uh, Organizations, for example, like Campus Crusade for Christ or Crew uh, is headquartered there. And a lot of those people are regular listeners to the Z. And both the Z and the Joy FM, the station coming into the Orlando markets, are kind of bellwether stations for Christian radio around the country. Lots of radio professionals follow their activities and often imitate the moves that they make. So what are they saying about Jim Hogue's rebranding announcement, which we now know was a disinformation tactic? Well, it's created a kind of a moment of truth in the Christian radio world. There are a number of Facebook groups devoted just to Christian radio, and some of them are closed groups, but I'm a member of one because I've uh, been involved in Christian radio for many, many years. And uh, there's a lot of soul searching that's uh, been done there after they posted our article. People are expressing disappointment with Jim Hogue and what some are considering a dirty trick, and some are asking if this is what Christian radio has become, all about marketing and not so much about ministry. Well, let's take a look at one more story before we go to break, and that's Liberty University has sued its former president, Jerry Falwell Jr., for $10 million What do you know about this lawsuit? Well, we know that Liberty University is citing a breach of contract and a conspiracy to mislead the university's board. Uh, Jerry Falwell Jr., of course, is the son of the Reverend Jerry Falwell uh, Sr., the uh, founder of Liberty University. Jerry Jr. resigned as Liberty's president in August of 2020, last year, after years of controversy and allegations of misconduct, a complaint in the lawsuit filed uh, in Lynchburg, Virginia Circuit Court claims that Falwell, and this is a direct quote, fashioned a deceitful scheme to manipulate the Executive Committee of Liberty while negotiating his last contract with Liberty. The complaint states that uh, Falwell created the so-called Granda plan to conceal his family's relationship with a man named Giancarlo Granda, a young man that uh, the couple Uh, Becky and Jerry Jr. had uh, met while vacationing in Florida. Granda has since claimed that he had a long-term sexual relationship with Jerry Falwell Jr. and his wife.
wife, Becky Falwell. The Falwells have denied those claims, but have admitted that Becky did have an affair with Granda. Uh, so it's kind of a big mess. Uh, the couple also bought a Miami Beach youth hostel that Granda managed and owned a partial stake in as well. So the complaint claims that Falwell devised a plan to cover up all those relationships, fearing that Granda would make the relationship public and it would uh, uh, be embarrassing for the Falwells. And while Falwell was trying to keep Giancarlo Granda quiet, he was also negotiating better terms for himself at Liberty. Yeah, he was. In 2019, he negotiated a new employment contract with the board, which included a raise for himself and more favorable severance if he was fired, which, of course, ultimately happened. The complaint claims that Falwell was concealing his relationship with Granda while he was negotiating what they're calling a safety net for himself. And that's why the suit seeks $10 million in damages, which, by the way, is how much Falwell was paid when he left. And they, uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. has to return any Liberty property that's still in his possession. So far, Falwell hasn't publicly responded to the lawsuit. Warren, we need to take a break here. But when we return, we've got an update on the story of Christian singer Chris Rice, who faces allegations of child sexual abuse. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith. We'll be back after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Now, let's continue with an update on the investigation of Christian singer Chris Rice. Warren, what's the latest? Well, Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church in Lexington, Kentucky, has launched a survey on its website to collect information uh, for Grace, which is the group investigating Chris Rice, as part of their investigation into sexual abuse and misconduct claims against the Christian singer. Um, The confidential survey, which is actually open to anyone with relevant information, was launched in March and asked respondents to describe any interactions that they've had with Chris Rice, any personal knowledge of any sexual abuse or misconduct of minors uh, during his association with Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church activities, and for their level of confidence that Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church will handle reports of abuse and misconduct appropriately. Uh, Ministry Watch reported back in October of last year that 
that Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church hired GRACE, which stands for Godly Response to Abuse in Christian Environments, to investigate allegations of sexual abuse by Chris Rice after a former student told senior pastor Robert Cunningham that Mr. Rice had sexually assaulted him on multiple occasions. The abuse allegations uh, stem from multiple TCPC-related events between 1995 and 2003 in which Rice led worship for youth and college gatherings. The current investigation into Rice is limited to Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church, although the pastor, Cunningham, has urged other churches who have worked with Chris Rice in the past to conduct their own investigation. Um, Upon completion of the investigation, Cunningham said that the church will follow up on the findings and further public communications. Our next story involves the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, and the story must have been music to your ears. Well, in a way, it was, um, though I don't think uh, Archbishop Welby uh, has ever heard of me or Ministry Watch. He nonetheless advocated for a position that we've been advocating for a long time. Uh, The leader of the Church of England has called for an end to the use of non-disclosure agreements after a BBC documentary revealed that they were used to cover up racist abuse against church staff members there in England. Uh, The most Reverend Justin Welby, uh, the Archbishop of Canada, Canterbury told Times Radio that he was horrified by racism within the church and was unaware that confidentiality agreements had prevented victims from speaking out about it after they had received settlements and left the church. He was referring to a particular situation in which a black staff member was subject to racist actions uh, while he was a staff member of the church. When he complained, he was offered a small financial settlement, but he was forced to sign that non-disclosure agreement. Welby condemned the use of NDAs, non-disclosure agreements, which, of course, is something that we also condemn here at Ministry Watch. Uh, They were used to silence victims in a variety of situations that we've been covering over the last couple of years, and we've taken a position that they have no place in church or ministry environments. Now, Warren, we've been covering COVID for a year and a half now, and a couple of things happened in the past couple of weeks that indicate that things might slowly be getting back to normal. Yeah, that's right. In early April, Christian hip-hop artist Lecrae visited a South Carolina prison and performed six songs and shared his testimony. When I say he performed, he was there with Justin Bieber. So it was kind of an all-star gathering at this little prison uh, down in South Carolina. It was part of a prison fellowship event called Hope Events. Uh, These types of Hope Events uh, were common a couple of years ago. Uh, Prison fellowship would hold them uh, all around the country, but they've been virtually non-existent in the past year or so, this event is truly a good sign that things may be slowly returning to normal. Also, the Gospel Coalition held its first in-person event in more than a year uh, last week in Indianapolis. The Colson Center for Christian Worldview is uh, still all systems go for its annual Wilberforce weekend in Fort Worth, which will happen in mid-May, and the National Religious Broadcasters, which postponed its annual meeting in March, has rescheduled it for June. And by the way, I plan to be there. Well, that is exciting news. Well, we have to take another quick break, but when we return our weekly lightning round of ministry news, I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. 
Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Now, Warren, I like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. What's up first? Well, up first is Ole Anthony. Uh, he was 82 years old and the president of the Dallas-based Trinity Foundation whenever he passed away uh, last Friday, April 16th, at the age of 82. Now, Ole had been a huge thorn in the side of prosperity gospel televangelist. Uh, he was known as a fierce critic of TV preachers like Robert Tilton, Benny Hinn, and Jan and Paula Crouch, and was often seen in news interviews critiquing their lavish lifestyles. Uh, Ole Anthony also served as the founding elder of a small congregation that modeled itself on first century Christianity in both lifestyle and mission. They would meet in homes and uh, gathered often, uh, really kind of lived together in almost a communal setting. In the 1990s, uh, the foundation began the Dallas Project, which was taking homeless people into the homes of the members of their church and encouraging other religious groups to do the same. That church, by the way, continues to this day to provide low-cost housing for needy families uh, in the East Dallas area where many of Ole Anthony's church members still live. And I understand that you knew Ole. Yeah, I did. Not really well, but uh, we've worked here at Ministry Watch with the Trinity Foundation over the years and on various investigations. And because of that, I got to know Ole's work and would often talk to him on the phone. And I'm pleased to report uh, that even though um, we're going to miss Ole Anthony, he was kind of one of a kind. Um, Pete Evans and Barry Bowen of the um, Trinity Foundation are going to keep up his work. Ole Anthony was brilliant. He was fearless, and he could also be very funny. He had a quick wit. Um, I look forward to hanging with him in heaven one day. Well, up next, we've got a story from the nonprofit Times about the value of volunteers. Yeah, and by value, we mean literally financial value. A study by the independent sector says that Every volunteer hour is worth $28 to a nonprofit organization, and that's a 5% increase in the last year alone. According to the Value of Volunteer Time report and using data from AmeriCorps on volunteer hours, volunteers contributed nearly $200 billion to communities as a result of their work last year alone. Wow, that is a huge number. Well, it is, and it just confirms what uh, you know we often say here at Ministry Watch, which is that the reason America is great is not because of places like Washington or New York or Los Angeles, where you know kind of the big culture making centers of the of the country, and it's not sort of in that American individual that rugged individualist myth, which is uh, kind of part of the American myth. Uh, America, rather, is great. Um, 
not because of the people at the top or the bottom, but the people in the middle. Uh, Everyday Americans who work hard in their churches and families and community groups and other institutions of civil society. And these numbers just prove that once again. And if that's true, and I think that it is, then this next story is good news as well. Yeah, nonprofit jobs saw their strongest rebound in six months with almost 81,000 jobs recovered in the month of March alone. That's an 8.9% jump, uh, the largest monthly rebound in nonprofit jobs since last August. And speaking of nonprofits, who do you have in the ministry spotlight this week? Well, it's an organization called Unfolding Word. As regular listeners to the program know, we've been focusing on Bible translation organizations here at Ministry Watch for the past few months. Unfolding Word is kind of a new kid on the block, you might say. It began in 2004, and it uses open-sourced, cutting-edge technology resources so that people around the world can quickly and reliably translate the Bible into their own language. So it's truly a different approach, and it hopes to be a part of the solution to the many problems that here at Ministry Watch we've uncovered in the Bible translation industry. And who are you featuring in Ministries Making a Difference? Yeah, Christina Darnell's column uh, this week features Abari Frontiers, which leads two to five day immersive tours along the U.S. Mexico border uh, in El Paso and Ciudad Juarez. And they're called Border Encounters. And uh, f- they're for those who are interested in the realities of migration and border issues. Uh, tours include conversations with the U.S. Border Patrol, Immigration Legal Services, and migrant hospitality houses, as well as the chance to serve at a temporary church shelter. The Christian ministry also connects and supports churches on both sides of the border. Uh, Barra is currently operating under the umbrella of Ciudad Nueva Community Church. Also, I should mention that this month is Ramadan. Uh, It's Islam's holy month, and it runs from April 12th to May the 12th, and it's a time of fasting, prayer, and reflection in that religion. Now, some Christian ministries have taken the opportunity to uh, create prayer guides to lead Christians in focused prayer for Muslims around the world during Ramadan. Among those organizations are Frontiers and Open Doors USA. And finally, at the very local level, uh, the Asheville Dream Center in Asheville, North Carolina, has uh, created an Adopt a Block program to mobilize local churches and businesses to provide practical help to people, including lawn care, home repairs, and neighborhood events. And the year since starting the Dream Center, uh, another ministry that we focused on this week, uh, the Assemblies of God ministry has delivered 60,000 pounds of food and 18 washers and dryers for moms, 18 beds, mostly for children, through its partnership with four local nonprofits and almost 30 churches. Mm, That is amazing. Well, with that, we have to bring today's program to a close. Do you have any final notes? Well, I do. Just one uh, kind of uh, family business, you might say. I want everyone to know that this month we're offering a book that I co-wrote with Marvin Alaska as our book of the month. It's called Prodigal Press, Confronting the Anti-Christian Bias of the American News Media. We'll send it to you for a financial gift of any size during the month of April. Just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page. And I wanted to mention that if you like the program, but you don't have any extra shekels, you might say, to throw into the pot to help us with the program, I totally get that. Been there a time or two myself. But there's a great 
way that you can help the program, and it doesn't cost you a dime, and that's to rate us and leave a comment on your podcast app. The more ratings we get, the easier it is for people to find us because search engines prioritize podcasts based in part on those ratings. So, like I said, it doesn't cost you anything, but it really helps us out a lot. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosal and Steve Gandy. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Goddard, Stephen DeBerry, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Rod Pitzer, Christina Darnell, Jack Jenkins, Adele Banks, Anne Steich, Yunat Shimron, Steve Raby, and you, Warren. And thanks to our friends at the Nonprofit Times for contributing materials to this week's program. I'm Natasha Smith in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I am Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you. Thank you.